life change. What God wants to accomplish in this church and and, and in people is change. He doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to continually be growing. I'm glad that that's a focus here. I'm glad that that's a priority here. I'm glad that that's a part of our purpose. That's a part of our mission, life change. I am so very, very uh, excited to tell you that uh, I don't even know, 40 or 50 of our junior and senior high school girls just got back from their weekend retreat. And I have heard nothing but glorious, glorious testimonies about what God did in their lives. They all have experienced life change. And I praise the Lord for that. We should celebrate that. As a matter of fact, why don't you give God a hand for that? One of the most exciting times of the year for our youth ministry is their time of summer camp, which they're going to be going on the first week in July. As a matter of fact, they leave on July the 4th. There's a lot of young people who really, really would love to go to camp that are unable to go to camp. And so this year we are having a, a golf tournament fundraiser. You can find out more information about that. I don't want there to be any mistake. That's all about life change. There's information in the lobby. If you play golf, if you don't play golf, I don't, but I'll be there. And uh, I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. It's a way to support our young people in that. In addition to that, um, we have another Let's Get Real Ladies event coming up at the end of this month. That's all about life change. That's all about transfer, transformation. That's all about being free from the bondages that we face in our lives. And uh, ladies, I want to really encourage you, if you haven't been able to attend one of those yet, this is something that you don't want to miss. It's at the end of this month. There's information in the lobby in regard to that. There has been a theme. There has been a, a common thread through all that we've done together this morning, from dedicating Emma to the songs that we've sang, to the prayers that we've prayed, to the scripture that we have read. I want to try and bring that all together in really just a few minutes with you this morning. It's about grace. It's about God's love. It's about our position in Christ. It's about what we have. It's about what he died to give us. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us, okay? Pray with me if you would. Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer in this room, we ask you to teach us and lead us. Lord, you know my heart on this. We, we, we need to get this. This is foundational. This triggers so many other things in our lives, so many other experiences, so many other um, events, so much growth, our relationship with you, our relationship with others. This is, a, this is a foundational part of that, and we, we need to get this. And I, I don't know that this is new to people. I just know that we have such a difficult time grasping it, and I ask that you might help us do that this morning. And so, Lord, I, I, um, I, I pray as John the Baptist prayed that I might decrease so that you might increase that it would be your voice that we hear and accomplish what you want to accomplish, I pray and ask and even thank in advance. Amen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a commission. We um, sometimes call it the Great Commission, and the commission is really, really very simple. It's to make disciples. 
That is to say that to, we, we, we are to be used by God to lead other people into a relationship with Jesus, and then we are to teach them what it means and how to walk with Jesus. I ask myself the question often, why the Church of Jesus Christ, why this body of believers, as well as many, many, many more that are meeting this morning, why we don't really do that. <laughs> why we don't do that. I think about it a lot. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why is because we really don't believe that the gospel, the gospel, gospel means good news. That we really, really don't believe that the good news of Jesus is really, really that good. We think about it as, as, uh, as our ticket into heaven, but we don't really, really understand what Jesus did for us on that cross at Calvary, and we don't understand really how it applies to our life. The good news of Jesus Christ, and this is part of the problem, is so good, it's hard for us to believe. I mean, we really, really have a difficult time believing when we understand the good news, we have a hard time believing that it's really true. But I want you to know this morning that, that Jesus' work on the cross for you and me is really, really good news. That Jesus' work on the cross for you and me is absolutely and totally complete. It is a finished work. It is why Jesus used the words while hanging on the cross, it is finished. But what does that mean in our lives, really? We cannot add anything to what Jesus has done for us. As a matter of fact, I want to say to you, we must not try and add anything to what Jesus has done for us. But I'm afraid that that's not what we're taught when we become a Christian. When we become a believer, it usually goes something like this. Now that you're a Christian, let me tell you what you need to do. Now, of course, you need to go to church. You need to start praying, and you need to start reading and studying your Bible. I really want to encourage you to join a small group, and of course, we need you to give and share your faith and serve in a ministry, and we need you to be a good person. There's a list of things that you need to do, and of course, there's a list of things that you shouldn't do. Don't smoke and don't drink and don't chew. Don't run with girls who do. <laughs> don't dance and don't listen to rock and roll and don't play cards and don't gamble. And you list them, whatever that, you know, the list. You have a list, whatever, whatever that is. And so that's our instruction when we become a Christian. And we set off and, and we try to live up to that incredible standard. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do this, but I am going to do this. And we realize that we're not able to keep all of those rules. It becomes clear to us and, and the result of that is we begin to feel guilty and we begin to feel defeated and we begin to wonder, is this life with Christ really all it's cracked up to be? Because when, when they were telling me about Jesus, they were telling me about love and joy and peace and freedom and goodness and grace and forgiveness and they were telling me about, but I'm telling you, I'm struggling with all of this stuff. And that's not what God intended. Jesus didn't come to make our life more burdensome. He didn't come to make our life more frustrating. He didn't come to make our life more complicated. He came to set us free. 
He came to set us free. Free from what? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. That's what it says. That's Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm. And no longer be subject to a yoke of slavery. What is the yoke of slavery that he's talking about? Let me tell you what it is. It's all through Galatians. You can see it. It's very, very clear. He's talking about keeping the law. He's talking about being in bondage to a list. He's talking about that feeling, that, 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 that effort that we make to please him by keeping a law. We have this... This misconception, I, I think, we think salvation is, is about getting me out of earth into heaven. But salvation is about getting God out of heaven into me. Salvation is not based on the quality of my commitment to Him. It's based on the quality of His commitment to me. It's about him. Now, I want to show you something. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to turn over to Romans chapter 5, and I do want to read these verses. We're going to have to go quickly here. Beginning in the 12th verse. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because we all sinned, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, that is to say before the law, death reigned, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, it's talking about Adam and his sin, much more, you ought to always underline much mores in the Bible, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Much more has the grace of God abounded for many. Much more than what? Much more than the actions of Adam, much more than what Adam brings to us through his sin. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brings what? Condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That sounds very, very theological, doesn't it? Because it's very theological. But let me tell you, all that it is saying, it's saying that you and I, it's saying that mankind gained so much more through Jesus than it lost through Adam. We gained more through Jesus than, it lo- than we lose through Adam. That the, rea- that, that the result, it says, the result of Adam's sin brought us the law. 
But the result of Jesus' sacrifice brings us freedom. And the key in this passage is is the last verse that I read, which is verse 17. Now, I want you to listen. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. But much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. It says you will reign in life through Jesus when you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Anybody interested in reigning in life? Well, that's a promise to us. That's God's intent for us. You know, I define reigning in life as living above my circumstances, is not allowing my circumstances to dictate my, my contentment or my satisfaction or my joy or the peace that I have. And God says that we can reign in life when we receive the abundance of grace, we'll talk about that, and the free gift of righteousness. Okay, now I want to turn over to Romans chapter 7. We're going to go quick here. And I don't think I'll read all of this to you. We want to study verses 1 through 8. All right, let's look at it real quick. We've got to do this. All right. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, and certainly he was speaking to those who knew the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as that person lives. A married woman is bound. He uses marriage as an example here. This is not a doctrinal marriage. It's not a teaching on marriage. It's using marriage and how marriage was under the law, the law of marriage at the time. He's using that as an example to teach a very, very important point that we've got to get this morning. A married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. According, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law. If her husband dies, she's free from the law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers. That's an example. Now, here's what we need to get. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. While we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, this is just like the verse that Ira read for us earlier, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to to bear fruit for death. Key verse. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What's the written code? That's the law. We serve in the new way of the Spirit. That is Jesus in us. That's the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. We serve according to him and not according to the written code, which is the law. Receiving the abundance of grace. And a critical part of reigning in life. We do not reign in life through our performance. You've got to get that. That's not how we reign. We reign in life through our position, by who we are, by what the work that was completed on the cross. Are you, are you, are you staying with me? Are you getting this? You've got to get this. We have been released from the law. Listen, are Christians under the jurisdiction of the law? Don't answer out loud. 
most people I ask, they go, um, I, I don't think so. Or, yeah, I think so. But, but we need to know this. This is a foundational truth. This is, a, this is a starting place. Man, when I become a Christian, this is what I need to know. I am not under the jurisdiction of the law. I don't relate to God. I don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy my relationship with Him. I don't enjoy my fellowship with Him. It's not based on the law. I am not under the jurisdiction of the law. And what this passage in Romans chapter 7 is saying here is that before Jesus, we, before Jesus came and died, before Jesus entered into our lives, before we established a relationship with Jesus, we were married to the law. We were married to the law. And, and, and look, he's a terrible, terrible husband. Because all he can really do is tell you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And that's what he does. That's what the law does. We're married to the law. And he says to us, you're doing that right? That's good. Yep, yep. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You do, yes, good. That's good. Not that. And the infuriating thing about this, this, this relationship, this marriage to the law, is he's always right. He's, and that, that just... Can you imagine being married to the perfect person? I mean, do you really want to be married to the perfect person? You know, they wake up with fresh breath. Every hair is in place. They're cheerful. You know, kiss you on the cheek. I love you so much. They get up, they get dressed, they go to work. They do perfect at work. Everything they do is work. They leave right at 5 o'clock, not 4.59, not 5.01. Right at 5 o'clock, they come home. They don't break any... You know, they go the speed limit, not too slow, not too fast. It's perfect. Everything's perfect. They come into the house, you know. Hey, honey, you know, good to see you. I love you. And then all of a sudden, there's this smirk on their face because they notice that your hair's not perfect. They walk into the kitchen, and, and they notice there's dust on top of the refrigerator, and you can see that, that that's not good, that they're pointing out to you, even, even non-verbally, that, you know, and... The meal wasn't exactly right. And, and, and you begin thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't like being married to the perfect person. I, I can't, I can't, I just, I, I, I feel guilty. I feel down. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a divorce. I want a divorce. The judge says, on what grounds? You go, he's too perfect. And the judge says, that's not grounds for divorce. You can't have a divorce. And so you go on miserable. And then you think to yourself, you know what? I've had it. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm going to kill him. And you try to poison him, but he is so perfect that his body just, you know, and you, and, and you, and, and you can't kill him. And you, and you begin to realize you're the one yourself that's dying. Folks, listen, that's a lot like our relationship to the law. The law is perfect, and it's never, ever going to die. Is the law bad? No, the law's not bad. 
Is the law dead now? No, the law's not dead now. Does the law have purpose? Yes, the law has purpose. It's the same purpose it had since Jesus, since God established it all those thousands of years ago. Its purpose is to point people to Jesus. So, we're married to the law. And we're in bondage. And he's a horrible, horrible husband. And all he does is tell us what's right and wrong. And he's always right. And how can I be free from that? I can't divorce him. And he's never going to die. And we are together till death do us part. What's the answer? The law's not going to die. But you can die. And if you die, you're free from the law, and you are now free to be bound to another. And folks, that's exactly what happens when we become a Christian. The Bible says that we're buried with Christ and that we're raised to walk in newness of life. The Bible says that that we're crucified with Christ, and yet we live But now, we don't live in us. It's not us who lives. It's Christ who lives in us. And because we have died, we are no longer bound to the law. We are free to be joined together. And that's the word it uses here in in chapter 7. Joined together with the one who died for us. With Jesus. And so... So we enter into this brand new relationship that frees us up. And as we discussed last week, it's also a relationship that empowers us to follow him. And that struggle that Paul has in chapter 7 that we talked about last week that that, that Ira read a little bit of this morning, that struggle, I, don't, I, I do what I don't want to do, I, I, I don't do what I do want to do, and that, that struggle. And then he asks the question, is, is there anyone who can deliver me from this? And the answer to that question is, praise be to God for Jesus who delivers me. He delivers us from that bondage. And yet, I see so many believers who, who are still on this roller coaster ride, this spiritual roller coaster ride, I mean, sometimes they're high and sometimes they're low and sometimes they're high and sometimes they're low. And I ask myself the question, why is that their experience? And here's what I think it is. I, I think they're going back and forth between two husbands. The law, the first husband, has never died. He's still there. But now we're bound to the law of grace. Grace upon grace, we're we're bound to Jesus. Jesus is our master. The law is not our master. And yet, listen, here's what we do. We try to please our new husband by carrying on with our old husband. We try to please our new husband by fulfilling the wishes of our old husband. We try to keep the law. And we look at our new husband and go, aren't you pleased with me? Aren't I great? Isn't this good? And God's not at all pleased with us trying to keep the law. That's not what pleases him. As a matter of fact, here's what he calls it. Spiritual adultery. That's what he calls it right here. We are free 
from that. We don't have to live up and down. Moving from one husband to another, he set us free from that. And we're to rest in him in that. Look, there are two things that the Bible says will result in us reigning in life to to receive the abundance of grace. This This is about receiving, not doing, but receiving, receiving the abundance of grace, understanding our position, understanding who we are in Christ, understanding that his work is complete, understanding that his work is finished, and receiving the gift of righteousness. And we're going to wait and talk about that next week. When you get this, when you get this, it'll change your life. Radically, radically change your life. One of the reasons we have such a hard time with it is because it just seems too good to be true. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad used to make me wash his car. It was the law. And I, 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 um, I didn't enjoy doing that. I, I didn't, you know, it was, it was, it was work. It was. But when I was a little bit older and he let me use his car to go out on a date, I would go before the date and wash that car with joy. Because what was driving it was love. It's something that I wanted to do. It wasn't something that I had to do. It became something that I, that, that I wanted to do. When we have this love relationship with Jesus, and we grow in that love, we experience that love, that's, it begins to have this result in us, as it said in Romans 5, this result in us that compels us to do things that please the one that we're in love with. But when we do those things because we have to, that's bondage. And we, we, we begin to realize we can't, we can't do it. We can't do it, and we begin to feel guilty and defeated. And we think that God's disappointed. And we think that he removes his presence. And God never, ever, ever removes his presence from us. We are joined together with him. So let's allow this new relationship, this new marriage, to be what drives us in our experience in this Christian life. This is foundational. There's so much more. We're going to be talking about it a little bit more. But at least get this truth. Not just saying, I, I believe that's true, but, but let's try to live this truth out, okay? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your provision for us. We confess that we don't, we, we don't live in your provision, but Lord, we want to. We want to reign in life. We want to be used by you. We want, to, we want what drives us to be our relationship with you. 
And so many times, Lord, we feel in bondage because we don't feel like we stack up and we don't feel like that we're doing enough and we feel like maybe there's some things in our lives that, that shouldn't be there. And, and Lord, it's not that that's not true. It's that we're not supposed to be in bondage to those things. Those aren't the things that, that should determine our, our relationship with you or should dictate intimacy with you. And Lord, we want victory over that. I want to invite you to stand, everybody standing. We're going to sing and worship and celebrate and thank God for his goodness and thank God for his grace. Maybe you're confused. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit who indwells you, if you're a believer, to give you clarity in this truth. And ask him to change you through it. In Jesus' name, Arthur Lena.